And welcome to the Insurance Injury Law Show. The number to get a hold of Savannah anytime, 416-216-5910. And email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We always start the show, my brother, with a week that was. You got a couple of cases, yeah? Yeah, we actually have. Uh, I had a couple of cases. And then uh, I had spoken this morning with a gentleman um, that uh, that is now my third case. Uh, and of course, John, sure. we... we oftentimes talk about these cases because there are lessons to be learned uh, from them by the general public. And I want to make sure that people are educated about their rights uh, if they've been in a car accident Mm -hmm. or a slip and fall or they have a disability claim that's ongoing. So let me tell you about this particular gentleman. Uh, I'm going to call him uh, Mr. S. That's the initial of his first name. I'm not going to identify who he is. Uh, I never do. This gentleman has been on long-term disability for the last four years or so. He's had a psychiatrist that's been uh, treating him for depression. He has a few herniated discs. Uh, and, and, you know, he's, he's been struggling. He's been suffering. And he's been getting, uh, like clockwork, his disability payments uh, until recently. Now, his psychiatrist had retired uh, fairly recently. And the insurance company has now asked to conduct a phone interview with this gentleman, with this individual who called me. And, of course, he wanted to know or get some advice on how he should be dealing with the adjuster during this phone interview. And of course, my cardinal rule, and this is what I tell everyone, anyone who contacts me is, you be truthful. First of all, he cannot tell the insurance company, I don't want to communicate with you. If he has a lawyer, he doesn't need to communicate with the adjuster directly. Exactly, I do that on his behalf. And in fact, most of the time, as I've explained previously, for a lot of people, that's really the the big uh, uh, bonus here by, by hiring us, is that we are the ones communicating with the insurance company. So you don't have to worry about getting that phone call or that email, uh, and after which uh, you can't sleep at night. So anyway, so with this gentleman, I said, listen, you're going to have to speak with them because they need some more information. Mm -hmm. They've recently told him that uh, the documentation he submitted, and John, this is after four years of being on disability, may not be enough. Uh, now, the fact that he's been on four years uh, for four years on these uh, on long-term disability indicates that he had passed that threshold that we had previously discussed, that, that totally disabled threshold, right. right? That you cannot do any work for which you're suited for mm-hmm. by training, education, or experience. Uh, and, and so I explained to him, listen, you be truthful. There were a few issues that he asked me about, very sensitive issues. And, and again, it all boils down to how do you uh, uh, characterize certain things? How do you explain certain things? Okay. Cardinal rule is you be truthful. You cannot tell the insurance company or the adjuster, I'm going to cease communications. I'm not going to be complying with anything you ask because that will give them the pretext to cut you off. Under the policy, which is a contract, you have to comply with what the insurance company is asking you to do. Again, I'm going to preface that by saying what's under the policy is what you need to comply with. So if they're asking you for something that is outside of the four corners of the policy, you don't have to comply with that. Of course, most of the time I get these kinds of calls and I ask to see the policy and I examine it. Because most people don't know what's they in the won't policy. They won't know, exactly. Right? Yeah. So I'm not expecting people out there who are listening, who are in that situation to necessarily know. What I will tell people out there is that if you're in that situation, you are dealing with an adjuster, you have a long-term disability claim or someone you know, someone in your family, a friend, they have no idea where to turn to, uh, they've hit a roadblock, uh, they've been cut off, denied disability, just call me, John's going to give you the number, and, and we'll be able to to really discuss the issues with, within a few minutes. I'll be able to explain to you exactly what your rights and obligations are under the policy. 416-216-5910 is the number that Savant's talking about. What's the uh, second case? Second case is also a long-term disability case. 
and I, I received an email uh, from a very uh, nice gentleman last week, again, after the show. He heard me speak several times on the show about that change in definition of total disability. Uh, and as it happened, he actually just got a letter last week saying that in his case, the two-year mark uh, since he went mm-hmm. on disability was coming up this January. So January 2016, and he would need to provide further medical documents showing that he satisfies the new definition. Now, to give you a bit of a background, he's 47 years old. He's been suffering from severe depression and severe degenerative arthritis for the last several years. So so these are pretty bad things for people who haven't had those. Uh, It's gradually become worse and worse. Uh, He eventually went on disability. He's a computer programmer, so he sits a lot. Uh, and he's being treated by a rheumatologist and a psychologist. Wow. Now, his question to me was, what documents do they need? I mean, they're asking for all this medical proof that, I, I, you know, to, to gauge whether or not I will meet the new disability definition. Yeah. What do they actually want from me? I've given them letters from specialists, but they keep asking for more. Sure. And I see this time and time again when people, you know, they, they face these demands by by adjusters where adjusters say, well, this is just not good enough. Yes, we have this letter or this note from your doctor, but it's just not good enough. Well, listen, I, I ended up um, reviewing those letters that he got from a specialist. And what I saw really was these specialists are trying to help, but they're doctors. They're not lawyers. They're not in the legal mm-hmm. field. They don't know what the insurance company actually needs. And really, all, all I had to do in explaining to him what needs to be done is the right question had to be posed to the specialist. Now, often what I would do is I would actually pick up the phone, make an appointment with the specialist. And believe it or not, most of them are, are more than willing to speak with me. Uh, and, and I asked them point blank. I said, listen, here, here's the issue with the insurer. Here's what the insurance company wants to know. I explained the definition of total disability beyond that two-year mark. And I asked the doctor point blank. Uh, you know, I'm not asking you, I'm not putting words in your mouth. I, I, I'm not asking you to lie. I just want to know whether or not this person meets that definition. Right. And they, 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 you know, they sometimes have to think about it. They'll have to review their notes. Uh, they hem and haw. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're going to give me some kind of an answer. And with that answer, I can go back to the individual and say, look, here's what I think is going to happen if this doctor puts in writing his answer. It's either going to be beneficial for you or it's not going to be beneficial for you. I'm not going to tell the doctor to say something he or she does not believe in. Right. So anyways, in this particular case, I can guarantee you that we're going to be able to resolve the claim very, very quickly. We're probably going to be able to avoid him being cut off. Uh, and all because we can ask the proper questions of the specialists and present those reports to the insurance company in a way the insurance company can digest and understand, and that's going to influence their decision. You also have the benefit of Savannah also working on both sides of the table, previously working for insurance companies as well. Uh, we'll take a quick break. The number is 416-216-5910 to get a hold of Savannah. That's outside of show hours as well. And help at the insurancelawyer.ca. The Insurance Injury Law Show continues. Talk radio, AM640. And back with more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Savan's number anytime, 416-216-5910 and help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Before we get to the injury calculator, details on that coming up. We got one more case with the week that was, yeah? Right. So remember I said I had two cases, but then I introduced a third Just one. Just got so one, this, right. Uh, this last one is, uh, it's a lady that had contact, well, actually it's her father who contacted me, put me in touch with her. And again, it's one of those cases where a member of the family uh, sees fit to to call me and yep. say, listen, somebody in my family is struggling with the situation. Can you help? And so he put us in touch. 
And so uh, we we spoke on the phone, me and this lady, and we ended up actually meeting in person, which often happens, obviously, in these situations, especially when I have to review documentation. And uh, here are the facts. And, and you tell me, John, after doing this with me for, for a year now, over a year, whether you think something is wrong here. She was in a car accident in late November 2013. Okay, two years okay. ago. Two, almost mm-hmm. two years ago, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, and uh, um, she, she th- th- this was this was a, a re-ran collision, so she was hit from the back. Actually, the driver hit her four times, believe it or not. Don't ask the, yeah, don't ask the mechanics. Apparently, the, the, the other driver came out and said uh, that uh, she, she, she just, she got confused in terms of the brakes and the gas. Anyways, long story short, uh, the, the, a lot of damage. Uh, this lady's car was uh, was pushed into the car in front of her, so damage on both ends. Domino action. Yeah, domino action. Uh, she, she's a young lady, uh, and uh, she's been suffering chronic pain ever since. Back pain, neck pain. She has a desk job. Uh, she's in the accounting profession, uh, and you know she she has modifications at work in terms of her seat, in mm-hmm. terms of what she you know the breaks that she takes, and she signed up with a law firm. Uh, and uh, she she got notified by that law firm uh, just uh, fairly recently that they were about to close her file. I have no idea what that means, by the way. I don't know what closing the file means. It's, she didn't settle the case. Uh, no claim was apparently started against the at-fault driver. For almost two years. For, so For two years, exactly. <sighs> So, so of course, you know what are you? What's the red sign here that you're seeing, John? This happened. This is it's the two-year limitation period is coming up. Right. This month, at the end of this month, uh, my God! I mean, first of all, two years have now been lost in terms of advancing this claim. Number two, uh, and I, I do this often, John. If somebody comes to me a day before the expiration of the limitation period, I say no, thank you. I'm sorry, yeah. I can't work that kind of magic. No, you have to come to me in a reasonable amount of times to, to, for me to be able to. Uh, you know, to, to review the documents, review the claim, look at the accident report, interview you, and then me and my team will prepare the claim and file it. You can't expect me to do that a day before the limitation period. But the red flag here is that this law firm almost missed, well, they, they were going to miss the limitation period. It's just insane. It's crazy. That means that this lady, who potentially is going to be entitled to money for pain and suffering, and you we're going to talk about how to calculate that in a second, uh, potentially a loss of competitive advantage in the workplace, a variety of various expenses, she she would have potentially been been uh, on the losing end of that because the claim would not have started. Luckily, you know, we got uh, all the documentation. We're going to be starting a claim this week. She also had a passenger with her, and I spoke right. with him. He's out of the country right now, but I spoke with him. He's having uh, similar types of issues. So again, for people out there, if you have an ongoing claim with a law firm, with a lawyer, a paralegal, really make sure you know what's going on with your claim. Don't assume. Stay that on top of t- them, right? T- stay on top yeah. of it. I mean, I keep saying it time and time again. You know, LawPro, which is the insurance company that insures lawyers across Ontario, every lawyer and every uh, well, every lawyer across the province has to has has to have coverage. Uh, it's it's professional coverage. In the event that we screw up, you can go to them. You can make a claim. Right. You'll get compensated. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, they have a lot of claims on their desks, the law pro lawyers, where they're dealing with missed limitation periods. And there's no excuse, no. none whatsoever for a missed limitation period, especially when uh, it, it's such an easy claim. And I say easy because, listen, she was re-randed. So we're not even going to be disputing who's at fault, fault. for the accident. Yeah. It's just a question of what is she entitled to in terms of damages? It's just, it's crazy to me that the claim was almost lost. So for people out there, make sure if you have a claim, if you have it with a lawyer, a paralegal, a law office, whatever it is, 
don't miss the time limitations, particularly the two-year mark yep. for starting a claim for pain and suffering, income loss, and all that. And make sure, make sure you know what is the next step on your claim. Make sure that that's being communicated to you. If you cannot reach anyone at the law office, if you're chasing after the lawyer over and over and over, those are red signs for me. Those are, those are uh, they're warning signs. Something yeah. is off. You should not have to chase your lawyer or the assistant or the law clerk. Only got a couple minutes here for this segment. Tell me about uh, InjuryCalculator.ca. InjuryCalculator.ca. Yeah, so that's, um, that's something that uh, we've come up with uh, uh, a while back, and it's been used quite widely. It's a free online tool that allows you to input a few pieces of information, not, not your name or your number, it's, it's anonymous, uh, but you can put in you know, the accident date, where it happened, what kind of injury you suffered, the extent of the injury, and what this tool does is it searches the database that we've inputted into the, uh, the, the, the tool, and it spits out a range of damages, a dollar value that you could potentially expect to get for your pain and suffering. Just pain and suffering. Just pain and yeah. suffering. And this is assumes that somebody else is at fault, right? Yep. So, I mean, I mean, if you slip uh, and, and fall uh, over nothing, really, just tripping on your own feet on a sidewalk, no one's responsible for that except for, for you. Right. But, but if there's a banana peel in the middle of a grocery store or, you know, there's a defect on a sidewalk. Water, if it's Yeah, yeah if, it's, if it's actionable, uh, somebody else is at fault and there's an insurance company that's involved, this tool allows you to input that information and then you can see the range of damages that prior courts in other cases have attributed to individuals who've suffered those types of injuries. Right. And very, very important because most lawyers just don't want to give that information when they inter- when you interview them or when you speak with them about your injury. They're very careful not to give you amounts. And I understand that completely except that what, what we've created here is it, this is not my opinion. This is a range of damages yeah. uh, that, that uh, you know, prior cases across the country have told us uh, that people can get. Online to www.injurycalculator.ca. You want to have a go at it yourself. It takes about a few minutes and completely anonymous. Get to uh, some brain injuries and some emails. Uh, again, the email address is simply help at the insurancelawyer.ca and Savannah's number anytime, 416-216-5910. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show is what it is, 416-216-5910, Savannah's number, and help at the insurancelawyer.ca. We talked about a little bit about this last week, talking about uh, mild, quote-unquote, mild brain injuries. Let's pick up on that. What is a mild brain injury? Okay, so we've spoken about that before, and uh, there's a misperception uh, out there that when you say mild uh, traumatic brain injury, that that means that it's uh, Not nothing severe. serious. Not right. severe, exactly. But keep in mind the two last words of that phrase, brain injury, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have a concussion, incidentally, uh, that's a brain injury. It's just, it may not be permanent. Hopefully it's not, but it's a brain injury. Now, the most widely accepted definition for a uh, mild traumatic brain injury was actually set out by the American Congress of Rehabilitation Medicine. And essentially what they said is that it's, a, it's, it's defined as, as someone who has had a traumatically induced physiological disruption of brain function, as manifested by at least one of the following, all right? So these are the types of symptoms you're looking at. Uh, Any period of lost consciousness, any loss of memory uh, for events immediately before or after an accident, any altercation, sorry, alteration uh, in mental state at the time of the accident, like, for example, you're feeling dazed, disoriented, confused, uh, and, and, you know, focal neurological deficits that you may, uh, may or may not be transient, uh, and, and, you know, there's other types of symptoms and, and there's ways to diagnose a mild traumatic injury. Now, very important to say that 
in many cases, that's actually not even properly diagnosed or diagnosed at all. So, so I would I would tell people out there that if you're involved in an accident, specifically car accidents, that's where we see it a lot. And you know you've lost consciousness. You're having memory issues. Uh, you're confused. Perhaps you're vomiting. You should be going to the hospital. There's a few uh, brain injury centers in Toronto. Uh, one of the ones I know I know really well is the uh, Sunnybrook uh, um, uh, Center. Uh, they have phenomenal doctors. They will be able to diagnose you, and they'll be able to, based on that diagnosis, provide or recommend certain treatments. There's going to be a head routine. There's going to be a variety of things they're going to tell you to do, perhaps even keep you overnight. But again, for people out there, a lot of them, and by the way, as a defense lawyer, you've mentioned I used to work for insurance companies. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I've had cases where I was on the receiving end, so I was defending the person responsible for the accident, and I've recognized just from the various reports that I've received from the other side that we may be dealing with a brain injury, uh, albeit a mild one, but still one that was affecting the individual's ability to work, to function, etc., but the lawyer representing the person did not clue in, despite the fact that the, that the various reports were alluding to it. There was right. no formal diagnosis made. And, and I'll tell you, we resolve these cases for the insurance companies for a fraction of what that shaking lawyer or lawyer... Yeah, exa- mm-hmm. I'm shaking my hand. I'm like, my God, you know, I, I know I'm doing my job here and I'm protecting the insurance companies, but I feel really bad for these people. But what am I supposed to do? I mean, I, I took an oath as a lawyer to protect my client, to advance mm-hmm. my client's interests. So now when I'm on the other side, and I often see these kinds of cases, I mean, we leave no stone unturned. And oftentimes I've taken cases over from other lawyers that have completely missed it. You've had to clean up. You've had to clean up, exactly. I mean, the worst situation is when you're, you're looking at a case that you're potentially going to take over, and you're seeing that the mess is so huge, you actually can't clean it up. There's too much damage that's been done on the claim. Uh, and those are really, really tragic because you have to break it to the individual and to their family. So again, really, really important to understand that there are certain symptoms that suggest uh, a, a brain injury. It doesn't mean that you've you've had one. It doesn't mean that it's permanent. Uh, but medicine is always evolving. Uh, the diagnostic tools out there are fantastic. Some of the specialists we have here in Toronto are world class. Make sure you get checked out. It's amazing though. You say stuff like you know loss of consciousness or a bit of memory loss. These things seem mild, but man, that co- that covers a huge umbrella. It does. Of things, it, which right? is exactly why I'm saying that better be safe than sorry. Better get checked out. And there's been situations where people have gone and you know they've gone to get checked out, and and these were missed by by doctors and and clinicians. But but at the end of the day, it's your responsibility. And, and frankly, John, if you're involved in an accident and one of of somebody in your car, a family member, uh, a friend, somebody's involved in the in the accident, and you see that they're exhibiting certain of these signs, take the initiative. Make sure that uh, you take them to the hospital. Tell get them, you know, you got, get checked out. Mm-hmm. Go to the family doctor. I mean, do something. Don't just leave it be. Because an injury that's that severe, uh, that goes undiagnosed and untreated, it's not, for the most part, or most of the time, it's not going to repair uh, by itself. Uh, I mean, again, keep in mind, some of these injuries, uh, y- you get better through time, especially mm-hmm. through treatments, but some of them are permanent, and right. you want to make sure you take care of those. Got a couple of minutes here to see if we can rattle through an email. This one, Jennifer from Branton writes in at help at the insurance lawyer.ca. Says, my husband and I were on the 401 last January and were hit from behind by another car. This is starting to sound familiar. Uh, I didn't get hurt, but my husband uh, hit his knee on the dashboard. Now has to have surgery because of the injury. Don't understand why the insurance company won't compensate him for his pain and suffering. Please help. Okay, Jennifer, I'm going to answer your question in a second uh, or, or respond to the email, but I got to tell you, John, one of my pet peeves, and I've been talking about this uh, for quite a few shows, especially in the winter, I see this a lot, 
uh, tailgating. Yeah. And it happened this morning when I actually uh, was driving down. It, it pisses me to no end. No kidding. I, I mean, I, I, I never do what most people do. Your inclination is to just hit the brakes. Hit the brakes. Yeah. But all you're going to do is you're going to probably cause an accident and you're going to be found partially at fault. And yeah. God knows what kind of injuries and damage you're going to cause. Don't do that. Just switch over to another lane, slow down, let them uh, overtake you, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's it's insane to me when I see people tailgating. It's it's a recipe for disaster. Forget about the legalities of it. I mean, I'll tell you this, John. Just just as an aside, uh, if 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 you're in a situation where uh, you're tailgating somebody and you re-rendered them and you're on the highway and it's a severe accident, you know, if you tailgated a guy, as an example, or a woman uh, who's making a salary of six figures, and uh, God forbid you cause them uh, some uh, catastrophic injuries. Good your luck. insurance company is only going to protect you to a certain amount. Uh-huh. If you have a house, you're going to lose that house through a court proceeding. So I'm just telling you, don't tailgate. You never know who you're going to hit, and, and and you don't hit anyone. I mean, why do it? So, anyways, let me get back to the uh, to the email. Uh, so, Jennifer, uh, first of all, your own insurance company or your husband's insurance company doesn't have an obligation uh, to provide. Uh, any compensation by way of pain and suffering to your husband, okay? okay? Their obligation is with respect to accident benefits. We're going to cover that a bit uh, later, so just listen on. Uh, But in terms of the uh, pain and suffering component uh, of the claim, that is what you're going to be seeking when he starts a claim against the person who rear-ended the vehicle. Okay, so gotcha. we'll cover that in a moment in more detail. Take a quick break. The email, once again, is helpoftheinsurancelawyer.ca and the number 416-216-5910. That will work outside of show hours to get a hold of Savannah as well. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number to get a hold of Savannah, 416-216-5910 Long-term disability, how often do you deal with this in your practice? You mentioned before that people on long-term disability are often, uh, you know, instructed by their insurance companies to apply for CPP disability. Why is that? What is that? What's the difference? All right. So we spoke about that before again, Mm -hmm. and I I get a lot of questions about long-term disability. There are a lot of misconceptions out there. And it's a natural question. You know, you've been on disability, especially for people who have been on it for a few months or a year or a year and a half or two years. Suddenly the insurance company, the adjuster says, by the way, have you applied for CPP disability? Because long-term is through your workplace, yeah? You got it. Okay. Uh, well, it, it's, it's, an in, yeah, it's insurance that you have while you are working, right. exactly. Okay. But the question is, why, why are they telling you to apply for right. that? First of all, why would they care? And second of all, do you have an obligation to, in fact, apply for CPP disability? Uh, so the answer to the first question is, why do they care? Because if you apply to CPP disability and you get approved, uh, they get a deduction for that. So, for example, let's say that Joe is getting $2,000 a month for long-term disability. Let's say Joe applied for CPP disability through the government, Mm -hmm. and Joe was approved, and he's now getting $500. Well, now the insurance company only has to pay Joe $1,500, exactly, because you can't get both CPP as well as everything for LTD. The long-term disability policy, the majority of them, if not all of them nowadays, contain these offset provisions. And one of the provisions deals with CPP disability. So that's the reason you're told, go ahead and apply. Now, do you have to apply? Well, you don't have to, but the insurance company may take the position that you ought to have applied. And generally, the policies uh, that we have nowadays, disability policies, yeah. uh, say that uh, you should apply. And I've had situations where people say, no, I'm just going to be a rebel. I'm not going to apply for CPP disability. And all that happens is that the insurance company gets pissed off and then they simply deduct the amount that they deem you would have been wow. eligible for. Now, 
It's both a sword and a shield when you are approved for a CPP disability. Why is that? Well, on the one hand, it does mean that your uh, benefits from the LTD insurer get reduced by whatever amount you're getting from CPP. On the other hand, let's say you've been approved for CPP disability, which, by the way, is not easy. Okay, you have to show that your your uh, uh, illness or injuries are fairly You're severe. You're yeah. eligible. Yeah, for I mean, sure. there's a high threshold for that. And a lot of times people get rejected and then they have to appeal. And on appeal, they get approved. But here's the thing. If you've approved, uh, sorry, if, 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 if you've been, uh, um, uh, yeah, if you've been approved for CPP disability and you're receiving it, it's going to be, in my opinion, more difficult for the insurance company down the road to say, well, you're no longer disabled. You should be able to case, go back. Right? It strengthens your right. case because now you can say, look, even the government deems me disabled. Right. And I actually have a case going to a mediation that we're likely going to resolve uh, actually Monday this week uh, where we have that situation where this lady has been approved and has been getting CPP disability. And we've, went, we, we've gone through the analysis of that issue. So, again, I, I use that as a, as a, as a sword. You know, that, you know, look, my client has been approved for CPP disability. Who are you to say that she does not qualify? Right. And, and oftentimes, that becomes a very persuasive argument down the road, and it helps us uh, resolve claims. How long after you've begun LTD, long-term disability, do you usually get the call for CPP from, that, from your insurer? You can be told by the adjuster, uh, you know, on the first day of you getting uh, wow. LTD, or I've seen situations where... It's not until a year and a half or two years down the road that they get a call or an email or a letter saying, by the way, have you applied? And, and, you know, the only reason I think that the delay happens is I I attribute that to just, you know, human error, that the adjuster just didn't get around to it, that for whatever reason, the adjuster just didn't think about it, or they thought it was communicated to the insured, and the insured just, um, you know, never bothered to, uh, to do it. How long can it go on for? How long can you be covered, like indefinitely for both? Uh, well, well, CPP no. Uh, so CPP disability has its own provisions, okay. uh, and 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 you know it, it's L- LTD itself. The majority of policies with LTD go until age sixty five. Okay, but but I mean you do have some policies that are time specific uh, that, that are for less time, and you have that's actually a good point. I'm going to touch on that in a second, and then you have some uh, uh, policies that actually go beyond age sixty five. So uh, it's very very important to review the policy right. to understand the terms and look at exactly uh, the the time period. And in fact, I had a call just earlier this week from a gentleman who turned sixty five. He had a bad injury at work years ago. He was on, on uh, LTD for quite a few years, and he got to age 65. The policy says we stop at age 65, right. and he doesn't know what to do because he's been relying on this money. For sure. Now, he may be eligible for other various programs through the government, uh, but you know, with respect to LTD, there's nothing I can do. The policy says we'll pay you till age 65, and you're that's done, it. You're done. Exactly. So you're not going to get me to tell you uh, that you're eligible till age 80 if the policy doesn't say that. Right. You're going to get me to tell you exactly what your rights and obligations are under the policy. Got a couple of minutes left. I'll ask you this one. Uh, bounce back over to car insurance. and says, you know, companies in, uh, well, I'll ask you this. Can they cut a person off long-term disability despite the person's doctor, say, providing them support that they are disabled and, and worthy of the benefits? Uh, so, can insurance companies cut a person off uh, despite the person's doctors providing yeah. letters? Yes, they can. That's not to say that uh, they should. And, and that's often, in fact, we dealt with that just uh, a few segments back, right, uh, with that gentleman uh, who, who called me who had this issue where his own specialists were providing reports, but the insurance company wasn't digesting that information. Right. It just wasn't what they needed. And so, oftentimes, I find that insurance companies... When they have that medical support, but they continue coming back to the person and saying, 
we just don't have enough medical support or it's not sufficient or we need to speak with the doctor, oftentimes it's because they are seeking either a clarification or they have other follow-up questions. So I'm not going to paint them all in the same brush and say, look, insurance companies just get these medical documents and they're ignoring them. No, generally they do review them and they do analyze them and they digest them, as I say. In other words, they internalize them and they make a decision on the basis of those reports. Uh, But it's very important to understand that oftentimes what I see, at least in my practice, is this incongruence. In other words, the doctors are providing answers to questions the insurance company hasn't asked or vice versa. So, you know, in a situation like that, it's very helpful to have someone who can facilitate that. And oftentimes when people contact me, we, we can easily resolve these kinds of disputes and, right. and it's, it's painless and it's quick. This is why you should get a lawyer in the first place so you don't get these harassing phone calls. You should, yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. The number is 416-216-5910 to get a hold of Savannah or in, uh, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Through email, we'll get to one of those very shortly as we continue in our next segment, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show to get a hold of Savannah, it's simple, 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. I'll get to an email right now from Suzanne in North York. Says, I've been on long-term disability for just over two years. My adjuster called me last week and said that I need to start getting ready to try to go back to work. The reality is I can't. I have chronic pain and I'm very depressed. I tried to, well, commit suicide twice last year. I feel like this adjuster doesn't get it. My husband told me to call you for advice. Well, Susanna, I want to thank your husband because I'm, I'm going to answer your question right now. First of all, it's unfortunately uh, often that I see... Uh, people in in dire straits and situations where you know they feel like they're telling the adjuster they're trying to connect on a human level and they it seems like the adjuster just doesn't care well the reality is not that the adjuster doesn't care but the adjuster has a job to do and i know that sounds callous i can tell you i know a lot of adjusters and the majority of them are good people okay just like in every industry and everywhere some people are bad people quote unquote and some people are good people they have a job to do and at the end of the day uh, in your situations, clearly, from what you're telling us here, that you try to commit suicide twice, you're suffering uh, from this chronic pain, you're very depressed. I'm assuming that uh, you are being treated either by a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a social worker, perhaps a chronic pain specialist, someone, you know, a specialist who are helping you. So I'm assuming that you have backup, that you have people, doctors who can provide letters if they haven't already or reports to the adjuster, to the insurance company, telling them you are in no position, you are in no state to go back. What I find often is that when, again, John, people contact me, when they put me in the middle uh, of the equation, in other words, I am now communicating directly with the adjuster, it's, it's a huge weight off their backs, off the person's back. They don't have to worry about getting that phone call, that yeah. email, that letter. It's it's a huge sense of relief. They can focus on trying to get better, on trying on trying to to uh, you know get get back to life. Uh, and 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 you know what? The, the ironic thing is that oftentimes insurance companies, but by uh, nitpicking and 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 by you know forcing people to go back to work before they're ready, they do more damage. And in fact, from a financial standpoint. I actually think it works uh, uh, counter to what the insurance companies want to do, which is to get people off long-term disability. But instead, what they're doing is they're forcing people into a worse state, whether it's physical or psychological. And and what does that mean? It means the person is going to be on LTD, on long-term disability, right. for a much longer, longer. term. So, Susanna, contact me after the show. Let's chat. I'll speak with you. I'll speak with your husband. We'll meet. 
I'll explain absolutely everything to you. The reality is this. Uh, if you're not ready to go back to work, you should not have to go back to work. It's that simple. I've seen it time and time again when people said to themselves, okay, well, if the insurance company says I should be able to go back, then I should at least try against their own inclination, against their own uh, uh, opinion, against their doctor's opinions. And all that does is it creates just uh, an avalanche of, of problems uh, that the person doesn't know how to deal with down the road. Uh, it exacerbates a situation. The insurance company gets frustrated because they uh, obviously come back and say, well, you didn't try hard enough. Perhaps there is communication between the employer mm -hmm. and the insurance company and the individual feels like they're being ganged up on. I see that all the time as well. Again, you don't have to be in that situation. You don't have to deal with it alone. Give me a call. Let my team help you. It's really not that difficult to resolve. You think the natural follow-up question might be, you know, how can someone afford to, you know, fight an insurance company that has millions, if not billions of dollars at their disposal, right? So that's, uh, that's very, very interesting. And if you think about it, the majority of us who experience issues with insurance experience those, uh, uh, those issues at our most vulnerable time. Yeah. Uh, right. So, I mean, you're in disability, you're struggling with uh, with medical or psychological issues, whatever those may be. And now you have to fight the insurer. You're in a car accident, you're injured, you can't work. Now you have to fight the insurer. You go out of province, out of the country, you need medical help, mm -hmm. you have travel insurance, they're denying you, but you're stuck. You know, you have to deal with your own issues as well as fight them. That's the, the, the I would say, the tragedy of the insurance system and in, in that it's, it's, what are they doing? They're selling you peace of mind whenever you buy insurance. Whenever you think you're covered, what do you think you're getting? You're getting that peace of mind, or at least that's what you're thinking that you're going to get. Unfortunately, many people find that not only do they not have that peace of mind, they now have a battle on their hands. And so when I speak to people, even that gentleman I told you that I spoke with uh, this morning, Mr. S, I'm telling you, the last thing that he said to me before we, uh, uh, we ended the conversation was that he just feels so much better just having spoken to me and understanding his options and knowing where he can go. And, and that conversation lasted literally no more than 15 minutes, but it gave him enough to go on so at least he knows what he needs to do. And I sent him off saying, listen, you may not need me or my services, but at least now you know how to deal with the adjuster. And oftentimes that's what people are seeking. They need information. When you have no information, when you feel like there is a disbalance of power, which clearly there is, yeah, this okay. billion-dollar company and, and you, an individual, you feel like all is lost. But John, there is a reason why these insurance companies end up paying settlements and why they end up paying these claims. If they were so high and mighty, if they were this huge Goliath that was invincible, they wouldn't be paying anything. The reality is that they pay every day. And the only reason they pay every day is because, remember, David won that battle with Goliath, yep. okay? They're not above the law. The law can be made and can be used to bring them down and they have to pay these claims, especially when those claims are justifiable. I mean, it's, 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 it's a no-brainer for me. We'll take a uh, quick break before we get to our last segment. Got another email and some other information you're going to want to hear. 416-216-5910 for email, or pardon me, for phone anytime outside of show hours as well. That's Savannah's direct number. And help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, right here on Talk Radio, AM640. And more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show. You want to get a hold of Savan 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Well, you know what? It's uh, insurancelawyer.com. Pardon me. 
Car accidents, we're getting close. I know it's still 12 degrees out there, but by the end of uh, next week, it'll be down to, oh, I don't know, zero. And then you know what's coming after <laughs> right. that. So we get that time of year, and unfortunately, car accidents are going to start happening, the increase because of weather. What should people do where they're involved in accidents? Give me the uh, give me top three things they should do. I'm going to give you the top three things, although I, I have to admit that uh, they change depending on the scenario <laughs> I'm dealing with. Uh, but the top three things I generally tell people to do is, Call 911 if someone's hurt. I know, I know that's, that's intuitive. I know that it's common sense, but you'd be amazed how many times people don't actually do that. So call 911 if someone is hurt. Uh, make sure that the accident is reported, whether it's to the police. Mind you, you can have some days, like we've had last year, where there's so many accidents, the police says, we just can't get to you unless you're dealing with a catastrophic type of an accident. Right. Go to a collision center. There's a few of them around the GTA, around Ontario. Make sure the accident is reported. One thing you do not want to happen is if you think the accident is, let's say, mid-level collision. Right. Um, police says we can't attend. You say to yourself, okay, well, you know what? I'll, I'll tell my insurance company, but I'm not going to bother going to a collision center. And let's say that liability is disputed. In other words, it's not a straightforward accident. Perhaps someone uh, moved this way into this lane and you moved there, right. whatever. So let's assume for a second you did not report the accident. You told your insurance company, but you didn't report it. Assuming that the other driver would not have reported either, except that the other driver did go to a collision center. So now we have a formal document that was generated. One-sided, exactly. Mm -hmm. So it's his word against yours, except that he's got this formal document. Not good. Okay, make sure that you go to a collision center. Yes, I know the wait times can be atrocious. But I I know, I know. But you got to make sure that you have a report, get a copy of it if you can. Uh, number three, make sure that you contact your insurance company. Make sure you tell them about the accident, ideally within 24 hours, 48 hours. But just make sure that you tell them about the accident. They're going to ask you a whole bunch of questions. They're going to ask you uh, not only about your car, but about yourself. Be very careful when they ask you, uh, are you injured or is anybody injured? Careful of saying no. I mean, listen, if you're not injured, say you're not injured. But oftentimes people only feel the pain, a tremendous amount of pain, the day after the accident. Yeah. That's when it hits them. Because what happens is when you're in an accident, adrenaline shoots up. Sure. You know, you're, you're in shock. You may not feel the neck pain, uh, the, the whiplash, whatever, whatever happened to you. Not to mention the fact that I've had cases where people have been severely injured. I'm talking about tears and, and fractures even. But because of the shock and because there were other people in the car that they were caring about, I children perhaps, it. they don't feel it. Right? So make sure you get checked out. So again, I know we said three things, uh, but make sure you also get checked out. You go to the doctor, you go to the hospital, whatever needs to be done to make sure that you are completely safe. And of course, even though it's not at the top three things, I, I tell people, and, and I get these calls even now, John, even before the weather is getting really, really bad, they call me. They call me now because I've been listening to the show for a while. They call me the day of the accident, the day after, a week after. They want to know what to do next. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. We're not charging for any of this information. You're not paying a cent. Give us a call. You'll get information about what needs to be done, what your options are, how to handle the insurance company, not only your insurance company, but what happens when you get a call from the adjuster for the at-fault driver who's snooping around trying to figure out if you're going to make a claim or not. Again, you need to know what to say. What you say may have an impact on your claim in the future. So make sure you get the proper legal advice, you contact us. You're not going to lose anything by doing that. Most of us have either been on the receiving or the uh, you know the giving end of this one. What do you do if the other driver offers to pay for damage on the spot? They, obviously, they're trying to avoid going through their insurance. What do you got to keep in mind? If they do. And you know, I've been in that situation as well. And I, I actually, I, I don't like that. I, I don't like that. Uh, I've been offered that before. I've never offered it myself. 
One thing to keep in mind is this, that oftentimes people will offer to pay for your car in exchange for you signing something that says you're not going to start any claims against them. Right. So, so let me give you a scenario here that you want to avoid. Uh, you've been in an accident. The damage is, doesn't look too bad, but let's say it's a few thousand bucks. Other driver says, listen, no need to uh, involve insurance, no need to tell the police. I'll pay, I'll pay for this. All you got to do is uh, just sign this little piece of paper saying, in exchange for me repairing your car, you're not going to start any claims uh, mm-hmm. against me for anything. Uh, you do that and you go ahead and the car gets repaired and the guy pays for it. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you've had some injuries that you thought were going to go away, but they're not going away. And a year passes by and a year and a half passes by and uh, things are not going away and they're influencing your ability to work and perhaps ability to function at home. And you want to start a claim, but you've signed something that could potentially bar you from starting a claim. That little scribble's legal. Well, I, you know, but, but I have no idea what that scribble says, yeah. right? I mean, you've signed to it, so you put your mind to it. There was there, a contract was formed. Can I make an argument to bypass that contract? I can certainly try, but I would hate to be in that situation where I have to tell someone, listen, I can make that argument, but I can tell you, if I'm the defense lawyer... I'm going to rely on it. I'm not saying it's going to be successful, but suddenly it, it's it's a roadblock that I have right. to uh, I, you know well, I have hurdle. to deal with. It's a hurdle, so be very careful about that. The other reason you should be very very careful is, um, and, and this is more dealing with property damage. Uh, and I've seen this happen before. Someone says to you, you know, don't go through insurance, don't report this police. Uh, I'll pay for it. You have this agreement, uh, and then they don't live up to their of end of the bargain, right? What do you do? Can you sue them for that? Can you claim for that? No, you can't. Because under Ontario law, you cannot go after the at-fault driver for property damage to your car. You have to go through your insurance company for that. Okay, You cannot sue them for right. this. So what does that mean? A month passes by, two months pass by, the other person is not upholding their end of the bargain. You go to your insurance company, and what do they say? You never told us about this accident. You're stiffed. You're out of luck. So now you're stuck because you can't go with your insurance company. They won't cover you. And you can't go after the other guy because statutorily, under the legislation, you cannot actually file a claim against the at-fault party for your property damage. Moral of the story is don't do it. Don't do it. Exactly. Yeah. We'll take it for another week, my friend. Lots more to cover on our next show. Make sure you come back with us. In the meantime, Savan's number is this, 416-216-5910. And you want to email him anytime. Another way to contact him, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio AM 640.